let's take a look at my to-do list for today. Ah, seems like I've only got two things on here. To catch Lupin and go to Europe. So who else going on this trip? We've got Drew with his dickhead lighter. Hey. Emma plotting a drunken breakout. Hi. Our cute stewardess, Natalie. Who actually just got back from Europe. Ayo. Hey. And unfortunately, this plan actually requires a truck driver. Sorry, Will. Hello there. And I, Chris, am packing my rubber chin. <laughs> I'm sorry, rubber chin just makes me think of that as told by Ginger episode, but go ahead. Well, I can't think of a better way to welcome you to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast, a podcast about a monkey faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live action entries of the Loop on the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. And once again, the gang is truly all here because we are joined by our man in Switzerland, Guillaume. Hey, hey, How are hey. you doing this evening? Or 1 a.m. your time? I mean, it's uh, almost 2 a.m. my time, so it's pretty dark. Oh, yeah. uh, I can still see myself, so that's good. I'm, <sighs> I'm sweating like hell because it's very warm mm. and I'm ready to jump right in. Well, all right. In that case... On this episode of Sideburns and Cigarettes, we're venturing further into Miyazaki and Takahata's rollicking tenure of our Monkey Thieves inaugural series with... Lupin the Third, Part 1, Episode 15. Let's catch Lupin and go to Europe, which aired on January 30th, 1972. Once again, this episode is credited to a production, which we all know is Miyazaki and Takahata, it is written by Seiji Matsuoka, who previously wrote episodes of Ashita no Joe, Kyojin no Hoshi, or Star of the Giants, Kaibutsu-kun, Majoko Meguchan, Kamen Rider Amazon, and Kamen Rider Stronger. And uh, his previous Lupin work, he wrote episodes 6 and 11, which I accidentally miscredited in that episode's review. I think I credited that to Kiyoshi Miyata. That was actually Matsuoka. Once again, hey. I do my job properly on this show. It's okay. We forgive you this time. Yeah, this time. This is the last straw for me. If I do it one more time, I'm going to... You're on thin fucking ice. <laughs> and, and that is okay. Last straw, <laughs> you loose cannon. <laughs> and uh, apart from writing this episode, he also wrote the upcoming episodes 18 and 21. And this episode was storyboarded by Tamayo Kohanawa, who we previously talked about. He uh, storyboarded episode, well, he storyboarded Night on the Galactic Railroad, Sherlock Hound, Superbook, which keeps showing up on this show. This fucking thing will haunt me until I die. Uh, Folktales from Japan, and he storyboarded and directed four episodes of Kirby Right Back At Ya, which was directed by uh, Shoji, or Soji Yoshikawa, the director of The Mystery of Mamo, which is always fun to point out. 
Kohanala's other Lupin work includes the upcoming episodes 17, 18, 20, and 22 of Part 1, along with The Legend of the Gold of Babylon. And now for the guest cast in this episode, none of the English voice actors are credited and none are on the infamous Lupin wiki, which I usually have to resort to to see if anyone recognized a voice, but none are on there. So we will speak about the two Japanese actors who guest star in this episode. Uh, so first we have Kinman, who was voiced by Ryusuke Shiomi. He voiced Daizoban in Kyoji no Hoshi, or Star of the Giants, Secret- Secretary Sakurada in The Ultraman, The Station Master in Anne of Green Gables, General Gurul in Voltus, v- in Voltus 5, and look at that. He was the voice of God in Superbook. So it's never going to. I can't escape it. That thing has haunted me since I was a child and it will haunt me till my grave. So everywhere you turn. And it's even God, even. The, holy <laughs> no. the final boss. Yeah, seriously. It's probably, probably going to haunt you beyond the grave, too. <laughs> <laughs> or more like you're going you're gonna to be in heaven and then suddenly Superbook just comes to like haunt you in heaven. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I go to heaven and it's just like in the style of Superbook. <laughs> I'm stuck there forever. <laughs> but at least I'm animated by cool people. So, uh, Shiomi's Lupin roles include Baron, Mulligan, and Tatsumaki in part two. So, little roles there. Now, for this, whenever I mention a guest, uh, a guest actor, I just try, try to limit it to five credits so I don't go on for too long. But the police commissioner is voiced by Ichiro Nagai, who just on his IMDb, IMDb page had 294 credits to his name. And that's not even counting everything. So we will just name a few here. Uh, he voiced Shuru Sinan and Karin-sama in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. He was Dr. Sado and Tokugawa in Space Battleship Yamado. That is all original series and all the original films. He was Namihei Isono in Sazai-san. In, I, let's try that again. Do that less white. He was Namihei Isono in Sazai-san which he voiced that role from 1969 to 2014, up to his death. Much respect there, because I believe Sazai-san, if I'm not mistaken, that is still like the longest-running anime in Japan. I could be wrong. I'll fact-check it if I'm not, but I think it is. He was Cherry in Urusa Yatsura, the original series, films, and OVAs. He was Degwin Zabi and numerous other roles in Mobile Suit Gundam, and he was also the, narr- the narrator in the Mobile Suit Gundam film trilogy. Now, some very important roles he had here. He was the Japanese dub voice for Fozzie Bear in the Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island, and he was also the voice of Yoda in the Star Wars prequels in both Clone Wars series, and also the voice of Slinky Dog in Toy Stories 1, 2, and 3. Pretty cool. Uh, his Lupin roles include the uh, Jito Ryu boss, a.k.a. Dickhead Lincoln, in part one. He was Inspector Pepper and Cruzen Genhard in part two. He was Jodo in the Castle of Cagliostro, King in part three, Detective George McFly in First Contact, Jinguru Higashi in Angel Tactics, and... <clears throat> Musashibo Binke the 22nd in another page. So he's had some some pretty like notable Lupin roles there. Like all the stuff like I, I, I've forgotten he was Jodo because we talked about him, I think, in the first contact review very briefly. So 
With that, let's read the synopsis right quick. Zenigata is encouraged to attend an international police convention in Europe, but he worries he is being replaced on the Lupin case just as the master thief has threatened to steal a gold bust. So, he agrees to an ultimatum. If he catches Lupin within the next day, he will go to Europe. And to do so, he will pull out all the stops. So, to kick this off, let's watch Lupin and talk to a European. Guillaume, how did you feel about this episode? Well, um, it's strange because it's been quite a while since I've seen any episode of part one. To be fair, I've been uh, reliving the series through uh, our podcast, you know, through listening to you guys. And I, I know the behind the scenes. I know that Takahata and Miyazaki took over at some point. Uh, could you remind me the first episode? Is it around episode nine or? Yeah, let me pull that up right quick. The first one is uh, episode seven. Episode seven. So I know yeah. that there would be a tonal shift, of course, that, you know, the characters would mellow out. But I wasn't expecting a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> and I mean, again, you know, we are not an early 1970s Japanese audience. You know, we're more savvy. Uh, we knew what the trick would be, but it feels weird for, you know, a character to literally... Uh, you know, belt out the whole uh, trick, you know, thanks to Fujiko. But, you know, thank you, Fujiko, for giving a good idea to Lupin. You know, that's not often. <laughs> so she has a role to play. But, yeah, it was quite run-of-the-mill. And I felt like, you know, it could have been a bit more fine-tuned. But we had uh, great facial expressions, you know, um, great performances from uh, the original cast. I like the end, of course, you know, it's uh, quite fitting. And uh, the whole... <laughs> Plain animation, which, if I'm not mistaken, was animated by Miyazaki himself. Uh, I think so. Uh, with Zenigata in his little boater hat, uh, boater hat, you know, like it's his conception <laughs> of a vacation attire. But yeah, it felt lukewarm to me, um, but still in a comfortable way at the same time. Again, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Very nice. Very nice. And now let's see. Emma. How did you feel about this episode? How, that, that, I can't think of anything, Woody. How'd you feel? How'd you think about it? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. Because yeah, I, I, I'm a square. I haven't been to Europe yet. Hopefully, one day. Nor have I caught Lupin. I think mm. we have to do that, honestly. But I, I, I had fun with this one. Yom's description is. Uh, pretty apt to say it's like a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm. <laughs> and I love that. Um, I, I come to expect that a lot out of Senegata. Um, I know like he's had so many iterations. He's my favorite character. And I tend to like, when I think of his character, like how I write him or how like I headcanon him, it's usually how he is in Alcatraz connection. So like very serious, 
and like dad like but also very goofy but then you have these episodes where when he smiles his teeth are like pointed like a shark and (laughs) i love that um i also i it's been a long time since i've watched part one but obviously uh part two is pretty much where i not where exactly where i started with this series but i this episode is very similar to the part two episode with like beauty because it kind of like follows the same formula um in terms of trying to get zenigata to go to like the conference and he's worried that somebody else is going to step in the difference being that in that one somebody actually does um so kind of like the same formula but i like this one in fact that zenigata is just like i'm gonna try to do all of this in one fell swoop and you know Mm. what relatable i would also try to do that i mean like i have to do this at like a certain point but you know i need to get this done too let's see how i can like configure my schedule and be more efficient (laughs) in my time (laughs) because it has to be used every minute of my day has to be used in a very deliberate manner so I get where he's coming from on this, and I appreciate that out of him. We get the gang all together for the first time, uh, which is uh, very fun, very cool. And I love their little banter together around the table. I especially love the interactions between Jigen and Lupin. They're like an old married couple in this. Uh, so Jigen's just constantly ragging on him, and it's great. And like my name suggests, he becomes a little trucker. Uh, he has a little trucker hat and he's gets his truck stuck and he gets a bunch of people try to help him out of the hole. And that's cute. I like that. Lupin gets electrocuted, somehow does not die. Uh, that's a miracle. Again, Saturday morning cartoon. He gets the shit electrocuted out of him so much so that his shoes are stuck to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he literally comes out of his shoes and he's like wearing his little socks and stuff running through the like grass with the little, little socks and he hurts his knee i actually really liked that moment because again like one of my favorite parts of this show is the little bits and pieces the little details that really humanize these characters yeah he, which is interesting because he just got the shit electrocuted out of him but then he like falls and he hurts his knee and he's like shit my knee hurt <laughs> it's like you just your heart should not be functioning at this point but sure let's focus on your knee um but i like that because also they're clearly adults they're over 30 also relatable <laughs> 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 in a fall it hurt your knee Take you a word yeah exactly <laughs> a few words have been spoken <laughs> there have like i do notice like while there's so many fun like little animation bits there's also a number of animation errors i noticed with this one um fujiko especially she has a purple ascot a lot instead hmm. of the red one um which i will note i think this is the first episode where we see her in that outfit with the red ascot or no was that also in the first one i i think that was in the first one i know it's in the first one and also the um the also fucking the dickhead lincoln episode okay 
So, yeah, I was going to say episode seven as well. Yeah. Right there. I, I, I'm glad that it keeps getting called back because, like, that's such an iconic Fujiko outfit. Mm. I see a lot of people cosplay it. So I'm always glad to see it again. It's very, like, a casual outfit, but it's a red ascot, and a number of times in the episode, it is purple. And also, when she's sitting at the table, her hair's short. Like it, like how it is in the previous episode, like uh, the Emerald Secret. Mm. It's very like split second. Her hair is like just wow. Hair. I didn't notice. I can... yeah. I, I mean, I'm constantly staring at Fujiko whenever she's on the Valid. Song. Understandably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I noticed that. <laughs> this goes along with like my knee comment. Uh, Lupin needs to be cute here. Like the moment where he like kind of rolls back in the chair and stuff uh, while he's talking, and he's like ADHD king basically. Mm-hmm. He cannot focus to save his life, but he's super cute in this one, and I like that. Obviously, so I I, I think that was like look, it, it's different. Too, because a lot of times so far in part one, Lupin hasn't really been as like cute in that way. Like he's had his cute moments, but he's definitely more of like the criminal, which I also very much love. Mm. Uh, definitely more of the dick, which we still have that in here. But he has those moments to be kind of unfocused, um, kind of all over the place, flighty, but in like a very um, almost like charming way. Zenigata using the flower like as a like a like a love me love me not type thing that was really gay. I don't like that. One. <laughs> that was my like main note that I wrote. Gay answer. Love is a prison. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey. Prison is hard. I, I mentioned uh, Zenigata with his teeth, his like slow step onto the grate. <laughs> and then, like, it was like very <laughs> dramatic and, yeah and very cartoony and just ridiculous and i was laughing the entire time through that i i've said it before i'll say it again i if ringtones were cool again instead of like you know as soon as your phone makes a noise you want to like throw it out a window if ringtones ever come back I want it to be Goronaya's laugh. (laughs) Because he is the goat. (laughs) I I realized recently that we haven't had the goat put in our episode. So I'd see it like Goronaya is at his peak here. And I'm like, okay, it's perfect time. To drop it. Quota fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I love that Guillaume mentioned Zenigata's little uh, boater hat. I just wrote a note Zenigata's little hat. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a barbershop quartet hat. Like, oh, no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because I know, um, and this was told to me, I was talking to Drew today. Uh, Drew told me that Chris said he feels bad about Zenigata in the end, which I said, and I wrote, I quote, he deserves to lose after wearing two different striped patterns. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fucking faux pas. (laughs) I was like, ew, what the fuck is that? (laughs) 
man's trying, all right? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying. He's trying so hard. Leaves and I got alone. Yeah, I'm in the leaves and I got alone camp. Okay, some of us have bad fashion taste, and it's not our fault. Okay, I, it's, I just, it's just fucking telling me, telling me the leaves and I got alone when I have like a body pillow. <laughs> like, look, you can never leave him alone. No, exactly. <laughs> it's simple economics. The man doesn't make enough money to be fashionable. Like that is true. Leave, leave, I'm not Brittany. taking it back. No, but leave. <laughs> it's like leave Britney alone, but leave Zenigata alone. <laughs> Listen, I know, like, I, I'm empathetic to that. I'm not taking back my statement. <laughs> I said what I said. He deserved to lose after wearing those patterns. Aww. Uh, the tub is excellent, but I prefer the slab on this. Mm-hmm. Um, different from the last couple of episodes, and that is only, only because of Goronaya. I could listen to him all day, every day. In fact, I've watched, like I mentioned earlier, Alcatraz Connection so much that I can watch it without, like, looking at it. Because it's not dubbed, right? But I still know what is going on because I could listen to Gronaya talk during that one, again, all day, every day. And that's what I have on that. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Chris, yes, dear. did you catch Lupin? Did you go to Europe? The people want to know. I only did one of those things, and I'm an artist, so I've captured Lupin's likeness at least. Hey, nice. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. I've done half of those. I've done half of one of those things. <laughs> but uh, let's see my notes here. I feel like it's worth mentioning this marks the first appearance of the police commissioner, who becomes mm-hmm. almost an important character going forward. Like, we only Love the description. I mean, his mustache <laughs> is important. That's true. <laughs> Although I mustache. If we ever see him again after part one, I don't think so, right? Maybe um, he I had that in my in notes. Five, right? He appears in another page of all specials. I oh, remember wow. that because <laughs> there's that bit where he had, like, there's all what? those documents and like Zendigata tears him up in his face. It's <laughs> it's so, it was so odd to see him, but it was a welcome little. Pre- it's like in one scene too. I think it was like a welcome little cameo <laughs> of all the callbacks to make. Nice, <laughs> but um. I also want to point out that due to being a member of the Dickhead family, Kidman's cigar lighter looks like a golden sex toy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is the anime gold member. <laughs> That's oh, what Lord. I wrote down here is the Dickhead Pez dispenser lighter. <laughs> oh my God. Look, as someone who is not ashamed to admit they own a lot of sex toys, um, that's a model I've never seen before. It's expensive. <laughs> oh wow Ca- calling out my poorness why don't you sorry we're on the same boat it's, a, it, it's okay uh ken would have said the same thing because he does go on about how much how much that bus is worth in the gate he does pms nowadays would never let jigen run and have a spotlight put on him that's like totally lupon's thing now mm-hmm. it's like they would they would refuse to let jigen do that oh that's like you know, like his showing his eyes, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, can't have that. I do like how in the dub, as Jigen's running away, he, you know, you have Richard Epcar going. I was, I mean, like Jigen got Jigen has a lot of good moments in this one, like uh, mm. that almost Looney Tunes like shot of him poking his head out from behind a rock. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very daffy dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One eyeball poking out. Right. 
That was like a Tony Oliver's delivery of. Hang on, I got gotcha. you. Thanks, Jigen. When he pulls him out of the uh, shaft. <laughs> um, the bit of Zenigata running through the house with his shoes in his hand has always stuck with me. <laughs> so well done. Him quickly crawling through the shaft is also some really good animation. Mm. And going back to what Emma was saying about the uh, animation, especially in the scene in the hideout, like the way the characters are posed and the way they move, it, it feels very uh, realistic, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially, again, with that uh, with that bit of Lupin just like, you know, rolling out of his chair backwards. Like, I know people that will do that. I like how in the uh, dub, Jigen says, Huh? You sure? I mean, you know what they say. You can't see under your nose. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Um, I think the revelation that Jigen's playing the part of a truck driver might be my favorite joke in all of part one. That is hilarious. <laughs> Especially in the subversion. I think it's a pretty good showing for Zenigata, like as far as his competence goes, because I mean he does end up losing, I'll get to that, but he definitely puts up a hell of a fight. But I yeah, I, I hate the part where after it seems like he's victorious, everybody's cheering him on, including the press and the prime minister of Japan. And he's just so happy, and I'm just, and I know it's coming up, and I can't bear to watch it. Oh, it's the worst secondhand embarrassment. Oh, <laughs> Kirby enthusiasm king thing yeah. kicks in. I like how uh, I like how when he's on the plane though, we see a guy reading Mad while sitting <laughs> next to Yatsu Otsuka. Yeah, which I thought was fun. Nice. Here, my notes here. I just, I just have. I can't laugh at this. It's just too sad. <laughs> I mean, I can't even appreciate Afro Lupin 68 showing up. It just, it just doesn't feel right. Ever seen Pops' spirit get crushed like that? It bums me out. So it does. They should have used the melancholic song is what you're trying to say? I guess, yeah. La, 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 la. la <laughs> do an edit of that. La, la, la. The thing is, if it had that, I would laugh even harder. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I probably would too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's a, I think it's a solid episode up until the end. Um, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a fun heist. It's got some good gags, some interesting animation, but that ending is just too mean. It just kind of brings the whole thing down for me a little bit. All right, that's what I got to say. All righty, so Natalie, you've just returned from Europe. Did you catch <laughs> yeah. Lupin? No, because I did I did other things. I went to Italy. I went to a castle. I went to a museum. I did other things. So Lupin evaded my grasp. Um, you mean to tell me you went to Italy and Europe and managed to not catch Lupin? <laughs> Italy is in Europe, you Philistine. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, if we're going by semantics, I went to Italy and Switzerland, but you know, talking about my personal time aside, um, Guillaume very well put it that this is a Saturday morning cartoon episode. Mm. Um, I'm starting to notice through this rewatch of part one that I am enjoying a little bit more the the Otsuka episodes as I am the Miyazaki ones. There's some Miyazaki ones that just remind me of part two. This is one of them, but only like 10%. And this is just one of those episodes that it's like, uh, I don't really care for. I only care for like the little gaggy moments particularly stuff like you know a lot of the jigan moments that we had with like him running the spotlights definitely the trucker's hat and as someone who has a um 
whose parents were both teamsters and were both truck drivers. It just, um, I kind of want to show this episode to my mom and just be like, Hey mom, it's you. And just, and see what her reaction would be. I'd probably get a smack in the head. Emma did bring up, I actually had that in my notes as well. Um, the reminder of like the beauty episode of like having Zenigata go to a conference just to get him out of the way. So somebody else could catch Lupin. Well, in this episode, um, I will say as someone who did, yes, just get back from a trip, um, full disclosure at my own job, personally do mostly everything in my department. I'm the only one who predominantly does it. So I was feeling this like huge stress of getting a lot of work done before my coworkers take over while I was gone for two weeks because I just don't want to get replaced. And I'm, you know, I, I kind of like the ego trip I've been having ever since I got back. <laughs> so I, I really understood Zenigata in that, in this episode, in that moment, in terms of like, well, let me catch Lupin first and then I'll go to Europe. So this basically, it was my mentality the three days before I flew over, um, before I flew to Europe, just like, let me show you how to do this properly. And then I fly to Europe because I know you're going to fuck it up when I got back. And they did fuck it up when I get back. But that's another story. I do love how this episode utilizes all of the gang. The last time we kind of got that was um, the pop up Guaymon episode. I can't remember for the life of me. You mean um, the best episode of part one? Yeah. Yes, the best episode of part one. <laughs> or as we call it, the pop the pop-up Goemon episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> Sorry. Oh, don't do it again. That took me right out last time. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, it's kind of like the first time we in a while we see the gang all back together and yes, Fujiko mm. actually having a good idea. Not that she doesn't have good ideas, but good ideas that involve the gang. Just like, you know, and yeah, the animation changes, one of the ascot being purple or red. Also the, the, the weird hairline that they gave in the beginning of the episode to Zenigata. I don't know why for the life of me, I kept focusing on that just as soon as he took off his hat and you get that really nice defined hairline. Then you usually get, I'm just like, Oh, wow. Um, mm -hmm. okay. Did someone just like polish that or something like, <laughs> um, also the Zenigata teasing tongue photos. Those were cute. Um, <laughs> and of course I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead, but I, cause I feel like other people, um, have talked about it already have talked about some of my other points, but when Zenigata is on the flight and he's trying to smoke, I was like, wait a minute. Um, was smoking allowed in the 70s and then I recall no smoking was never allowed on flights <laughs> but then that cute blonde stewardess comes up in the English dub it's Ellen Stern um, <laughs> so I was just like oh it's Ellen and she's a really cute stewardess <laughs> it's like sir please there's no smoking on this flight and then of course as he's looking out everyone's cheering him on and then suddenly there's a Lupin getting just like bye pops <laughs> man I felt that <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't have much to say on this episode because um, everybody else had the same talking points that I just don't want to be repetitive. But yeah, um, it's an okay episode. It's a good Saturday morning cartoon episode. And um, yeah, that's all I got to say. What about you, Drew? Did you go to Europe and catch Lupin? Unfortunately, no. I did, however, I don't know how many of you are familiar especially like kept up recently with the uh, uh, YouTube channel Red Letter Media and one of the hosts on there, Mike, 
on the on the show's half in the bag and review will bring out his notes that are handwritten on paper and will like crinkle them out loudly and have like a whole stack of them. And I'm tempted to do that just for comedic value because I wrote three whole pages of notes on this episode. It would be very funny to whip them out right now. Did I overthink it? We're about to find out. So let's see. So the first thing I actually want to mention here, we're good. We are, we are suffering an unfortunate loss with this episode because this is the last hurrah of the Afro Lupin 68 opening. With uh, Lupin narrating over it. Which, if, if you're watching it on High Dive, you don't see that because they just substituted that with the uh, the very first opening. But if you watch the sub version and the discotheque Blu ray where you get that dubbed, you've got, like, you know, the one with that for Lupin 68 kicks in. He's narrating over it. This is unfortunately. The uh, the last appearance of that in the opening, so R.I.P. <laughs> to a real one. But it still appears in the episode itself and appears further. But it, I'm, I'm going to miss it as the opening. But we'll get to what the next opening is because I love that one dearly. And it might... The, I want to say it might be my favorite. I'm going to wait because that's a good one. Uh, so for this one, this episode has an opening that is what I describe as pure hype. I, I love when Yamashita's music kicks in as the gang launch their attack on Kinman's uh, courtyard. I, I it's a, the, the whole episode is a real showcase of just like the Lupin gang working together to like really outwit their greatest rival, Zinagata, which I, I did some look. I would say this is the first one where that actually happens, if you think about it, where the entire gang is solely facing off with Zinagata. Up until this point, because the last time we had something similar was the last episode. But even that, like you had Catherine in the mix and she was playing Zinnegaard around. She was more like not the antagonist, but, you know, like the force had to overcome. Uh, Zinnegaard has like always been there, but he's not. It's not been an episode of the gang solely versus Zinnegaard. Like Kinman as a villain is an afterthought in this, which is not a criticism because he's not really important. You, you get all you need to know. Once again, it's a Miyazaki Takahata episode. He's a rich asshole. He's not good. He's not. His wealth is not long for this world. And like the way he's established in his opening shot, you just hate him already. You have the bust and then it pans down and he's got a lighter of himself. Boy, you know, I've I've made for new listeners or people who've not listened to our previous episodes. I've made jokes about the recurring uh, dickhead characters who have very, very phallic noggins. Boy, that sure got drove home when he picked up his lighter. I died <laughs> laughing. It's like, oh, whoa. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess this is the final of the final <laughs> boss. <laughs> the suddenly changed genres. <laughs> Maybe the shaft. <laughs> Why? <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that's the first point I want to touch on is, is that this is the first time it really feels like the gang is going head on with Zenigata. And I think as much as I love the Osumi episodes, I think it being in the hands of Miyazaki and Takahata are the best hands for it to be in because it ends up being a very delightful episode. Uh, I, I love Zinigata's characterization. I mean, it was really noticeable in the last episode, but it's fully on display here. How he's he's not really the hard nosed arm of the law anymore. Or like, you know, kind of like that representation of the man that he was like from the manga and he's not like his kind of callous. He's more of a clumsy, like awkward, lovable dude 
who like I, I love like uh, when he comes in there with like the police chief and he's he's just like he's a cute little guy, but he's also on a dime will be a hothead about catching Lupin and I I love that like dichotomy of him like he's like he's like a cute sweet dude especially at the end when he's like getting all those accolades just blushing but the moment the moment the commissioner hints at someone else having the lupine case you you get this great shot of just his fist like hitting the desk and him jumping up and just not having it which is just a, a, a wonderful little moment I love the uh, I'm sorry if my notes are jumbled. I, I have a consistent like take on this episode, but I don't have consistent notes on it. So bear with me a little bit. Uh, I love the parallels between after the uh, the heist attempt, you've got Jigen berating Lupin for almost getting caught in a hard cut to Zenigata berating his men for almost catching him. <laughs> which is, It's a great little comedic moment. The character animation in this, which has already been touched on a few times, so I'll, I'll try to avoid repeating there. But man, it's so it's just superb in this episode. There's only like a few moments where it felt like there wasn't something, you know, kind of dynamically moving in the camera, in camera, in frame. The gang running around the courtyard, like this, like the run cycle of Jigen in the. Uh, Jigen in the spotlight and like Chris mentioned when he pops out from behind and like runs further away, especially Zenigata, like him wildly running when they call, like calls attention when they see the hole and he jumps up and then like runs further down the hill and just like his speed increases as he gets further away. And his it's never like repeated animation. It's like a whole run cycle of like different arm movements. You know, it's it's almost like in a Jackie Chan movie, how they like overcrank the film. Yes. To make everything faster. <laughs> it has that exact feel to it. <laughs> like someone cranked the film up while he ran. I love him uh as Chris mentioned, sprinting through the house and you like you see the detail of like he quickly took his shoes off and he's holding them in his hands and then just runs through the crawls through that tunnel which i feel like that's like the moment they reference in first contact when he's running through the sewers that feels like almost like a direct callback to that because a lot of first contact is like really well done callbacks lupon struggling to crawl through the tunnel with the bust on his back is also a great little moment with just his arms outstretched like as far as they can go as he's trying to crawl as fast as he can uh zindy got a cackling when he finally catches lupon like him there's that moment when that Emma mentioned when he like does the dramatic step, but there'll be these moments, especially in future episodes, when the way that Miyazaki and crew animate Zenigata, he like turns into a scarecrow where his hat becomes a thousand times more pointier than it usually is. It becomes really stocky and his arms just like both stretch out like a T pose. <laughs> Scarecrow's Inagata, I'm I'm very fond of when he appears. Um, it's also just like a real showcase of the difference in portrayal of the main gang between Osumi and Miyazaki and Takahata. I feel like here they're bickering at each other a lot, but they feel a whole lot more close knit. I know that's going to be that way for the next few episodes. I think I could be speaking completely wrong out of memory. That's just like a little fun detail uh, I noticed there. Again, when they all break in to Kimmins, it's just a delight to watch, not just for the character animations, but just to see the Lupin gang like working in unison to like try to swipe something. It, 
It's so cool. You get that moment like where you see the one spotlight come out of the mansion. Then it's just like an entire army of spotlights and they're just scattering around the courtyard. I was into it, man. You got the music kicking in. I'll move on from that, though. With this episode, I already talked about it in the last one, so I won't spend too much time on it here. But it really sticks out to me the difference between like how Osumi and crew went for like mostly dynamic shot composition is what I remember a lot from that. But here, Miyazaki, Takahata and their whole team just really shine with the dynamic, the dynamic character animation, character movement in particular, which y'all have already mentioned, like the re- the attention to detail in it is just it. Well, I guess you could at least be speechless because I can't think of shit to say right now, which isn't to say that either of the two don't have like the other. There's great animation in the the Osumi episodes and there's really cool shot composition in this. Like I think of that real quick close up of when the commissioner like hints at someone else taking the position. There's that really great, super quick close up of Zinigata slamming his fist like on the desk and then getting up. That stood out to me. Um, I forgot to mention in my notes, but. I always think of that shot where Zenigata is like Lupin's looking up at Zenigata who's standing on the grate. Yes. You know, I'm a cartoonist myself and that's a hard angle to draw someone from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, props to them for doing that. No, yeah. Ex- I'm glad you made because there, there's another moment that's similar. The moment when he, ex- when Lupin places the explosive charge on the, uh, the wall, there's that really great perspective, like downwards, of a, it's almost like a bird's eye view of him doing that, which is like a, a neat little shot. You've got that really, really awesome shot of the gang assembling together in silhouette before they, you know, launch out into the night to uh, to break into the courtyard. Who was the storyboarder on this one again? Uh, let me make sure let me go back. It was uh, Tamayo Kohanawa. Who the next few episodes he did were 17, 18, 20, and twenty two. Well, I was gonna say I feel like. Uh... You know, he's the one we need to be uh, giving props to. Yes, yes. Some really strong storyboarding in this one. Oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, another moment, Lupin sprinting and jumping towards the spotlight that's aimed at him. And it's I love that shot in particular because it's just you don't see any of the courtyard. It just becomes a black void with the spotlight illuminating him as he jumps and like does that superhuman launch and knocks knocks it out of the way and then lands on the ground with like a monkey punch pose of like his little like head, like his neck bending the opposite direction as his body like slams downward. Oh, that was sick. I'm surprised he was, I'm surprised he managed to walk after that. Uh, Especially after the knee injury. (laughs) During the first meeting with the gang, I just kind of giggled at the way Lupin is sitting on top of the back of a chair with his feet on top of the table, which he then tumbles off of dramatically. I love that goofy ass face he has when he stands up after doing that. (laughs) Just a cute little moment. So so the one thing I really liked about this episode is I I, I love the I'm going to say the parallels, but I love it opening with Lupin making the mistake of underestimating Zenigata. And shortly afterwards, Zenigata making the mistake of underestimating Lupin. I don't know. I just love how this episode's structured where you get the first break in where Zenigata nearly catches them. They fall back after reconvene. You see the step by step of Lupin like because Lupin's in this episode is a petty little fucker and you're going to see him like step by step intricately plan this little revenge plot as, against Zenigata for just just because he came this close to getting him well it's sort of like what happened in uh 
episode four. Yes. It's like that just on a bigger scale this time. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of consistent characterization. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, 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 I, I really dig it. Very Bucks Bunny-like, you know. He's like, uh, you, mm-hmm. so you know this means war. <laughs> Again, Emma already said it, so I won't spend too much time on it. Goro Naya, the MVP of this episode. I think one of my favorite moments is specifically when he's doing the arrest him, let him escape. Arrest him, let him go. It's like, arrest, arrest, arrest. <laughs> it's a great little moment. Time tested schoolgirl technology at work. <laughs> and now, I do prefer the sub in this episode, but the dub, once again, is just really, really good. They're the, the one that cracked me up the most, and it's the little part two touch in there, is the moment when uh, when Lupin comes in and Jigen's got the construction hat, and he tells like, no, you're going to be the driver, and he shows like he reveals he's been prepared the whole time. As it pans away, you hear like Jigen go, See? Perfect. Nice hat, huh? And it's like off in the background, like the way it's mixed is so funny. He's really feeling himself. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's proud. He's yeah. proud. Oh, yeah. I should probably mention the as of the day we're recording this on Lupin Central, an article was released about Lupin breaking the fourth wall written by our very own amazing Chris Godby. So I have to point out the moment when Lupin crawls into the hole on the second heist. There is a great moment where he looks directly at the cam camera, has like a little shit eating grin and then proceeds to crawl in. <laughs> Which I only caught on second watch. It's very fitting that that article released today and that we're recording this episode because it's, it's almost like I played it. I didn't, but it's almost like I did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I don't have too much more or less to say here, except for now. There's quite a few instances of the uh, what we call the classic Lupin piano teeth that, you know, links directly back to the, uh, you know, Monkey Punch's original manga it appears in this episode. It's delightful. Uh, I know like a few moments when Lupin falls in the pit for the first time, like you see the big piano grin just like dug into the dirt. When Jigen like reveals his construction hat, you see it there. I think you see it with Zinagata also a few times. However, in the second half of the episode, there is an occasion when Lupin appears in the fireplace and gives a big grin, that is one of the most evil images I have ever fucking seen. That grin is too real. It's like seeing an actual human's mouth do a monkey punch smile only to reveal like the human gums and teeth yeah. that you would like would actually be there. That just stunned me like it's, hell. Like, oh, he has gums. It's just pure evil. Wait, which one is it again? It's when, when during the, like, the second attempt at the heist. Yeah, yeah. When when he's underground, there's also that great bit where Zinagata is like, you know, he could be under our feet at this very moment. And it cuts Lupin like, whoop. <laughs> when Zinagata and Kinman leave because the gate's been crashed into, Lupin's head pops out of the the fireplace and he goes like, hee hee And like, it's the Lupin smile, but with human gums and teeth. It's <laughs> awful. I need to look at that again because naturally my interest is peaked. And I'm like, well, now I need to look. No, you don't. I want. So, <laughs> so, you know, I know how we like we recently talked about part six and how like it was really refreshing to see like, you know, Lupin get into horror with something like Darwin's bird. Well, they were doing that from the very beginning, apparently. <laughs> That's like those images of like shark 
like people edit like shark teeth, but it's human teeth. Yes, it's it's exactly that. It just shouldn't be there. It's very, very unsettling. It should not be there. Sudden anatomy. <laughs> Sudden anatomy, a new trope in the Lupin lore. Also a good name for a rock band. We are Sudden Anatomy Toronto. One, two, three, four. I don't know like where it falls for me. I just know like I had a really, really fun time with it. Just like just because like on me watching a few more times, picking up on picking up on the fact that it's like the first time we've seen like the gang together just taking on Zenigata. Like, what's the best way to word this? It's the gang versus Zenigata. There's no in-between here. There's the commissioner on Zenigata's back, which like leads to a really fun human element with Zenigata because poor Zenigata is just trying. He knows he can do it. I don't know. It, it, it's just fun to see the gang, like no in-between characters apart from like, you know, the commissioner and Kidman. It's just, it's fun to see that dynamic play out because you see, uh, you see Lupin underestimates Zenigata because Zenigata is not to be underestimated. And then poor Zenigata gets just a little too cocky and underestimates Lupin, which like that I really appreciate about this Zenigata. He he feels, this is a weird way to put it, but he feels so real. Especially that moment at the end, like like he 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 knows he can catch Lupin, he absolutely can, but he gets just a little bit too overzealous. I don't know what I'm trying to get at here, but it's just like it's 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 a fun little character dynamic to see. And somehow I don't think we like apart from one chance for a prison bait prison break like we haven't really seen <laughs> really seen that yet. <laughs> prison one chance bake. for a prison bake. Um, prison bake. Sorry. Yeah, just like the animation showcase on display and just the really fun characterizations, Miyazaki and Takahata and like crews like tone fully set in. It's it's a real fun time. And I really, really like this one. And the last note I will touch on is I do feel somewhat bad for Zenigata at the end of this episode. But I also wrote as my last note, he did deserve everything he got because you should not underestimate Lupin Pops. That was your first mistake, buddy. I'm sorry, like, you know, pat on the back, but like, boy, you got to learn. He literally pulled a job. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I made a huge mistake. That's what that mentioned is like animation powerhouse. That bit at the end where he's in the airplane and you get like this beautiful animation of him crawling upwards, getting to the stewardess. And then the plane just at that precise moment, just just a little perfect tilt back as he rolls to the back, gains speed as he's rolling, <laughs> hits the back of the plane and then crawls up again. It's that handcrafted, a hand drawn. You can see like the uh, in the line art, there's 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 that I was going to say penmanship, but that's for writing. You know what I'm trying to say? It, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> there's just such a oh, charm Lord. to it. And when you see it, like the the care and the detail and like every little bit of movement in it. That, that's one thing I just love about Lupin. It feels like it's like really, really sets in stone here. Like it's been there since the beginning, since the pilot film. But it's cool to see that like in a TV format, like they made this shit like this aired weekly. I know it's like me being like simple, like, wow, old animation. Cool, huh? Like it. it, it. You're right to be to remind us that this was 1971. It was weekly. Uh, They had to to change direction, um, you know, halfway Mm -hmm. through. It's bloody impressive. Oh, yeah, It, it really is. 
And again, I feel bad for Zenigata, but my man, you brought this on yourself. You played yourself. But hey, there's always next week. Chris looks physically in pain while we talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> he feels for his boy. He's like, I'd rather not talk about this. <laughs> okay, do you guys have you guys ever seen the Twilight Zone episode Time Enough at Last? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Oh, no, no. Okay. All right, that should give you an idea where I'm at with this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, it's, it's a bit less extreme than that, but still. <laughs> I will say, like, Zinagata does get done dirty at the end of it, but I think, I think it's done out of love. It's not done out of, hey, we've got Zinagata, and he made a pig snoot device that can hunt for Lupin because that's what he needs to find Lupin. I mean, it's clear to me that Zinagata is Miyazaki's favorite character. Like, yes. Like, yeah. you know, if, if it's not apparent here, it definitely is by... Like Cagliostro, but mm-hmm. I, I think you can definitely see it here. Or even like yeah. the Albatross Wings. Um, you can mm. see that he very much loves Zenigata. But like, yeah, this is in like part part six, episode seven, doing Zenigata dirty. So we could calm down. You know, as time goes on, I, I I don't like that plot reveal, but as time goes on, I'm more angry at that episode for just being boring as shit and written horribly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say something because you, you mentioned uh, very importantly the first episode in part one where the gang uh, works together uh, as an actual team. It reminded mm-hmm. me of uh, Chris's favorite episode of part six. Uh, I don't uh, see it in um, that high of a regard, but I will say this. It was great to see in that uh, one tick episode uh, how mm-hmm. the you know how the uh, group will plan their heist, uh, how they work together, how they have you know uh, bumps in the road, arguments, but at the end of the day, you know they work as a team. So yeah, there's a bit mm-hmm. of a callback there. Yeah. Or, or even like um, the episode in part two with the Costa Rica payload, um, and you get the very an- the very animated tiger, and mm-hmm. oh, my favorite thing of like Pichigo's boobs out in the bear. Yes. Oops. <laughs> I mean, well, to be fair about that episode, it, it's based on a Shin Lupin manga story. So, oh. so, so, so you can't give a, you know, for the episode payload, you really can't attribute all that to part two. But, but as with me, yeah, it's I like I always love seeing all four gang members working together. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah, like same. it because they argue a lot. Yeah, but like yeah. that's what you see a lot in the early parts of uh, part two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was like. You know, nobody's you know backstabbing each other all the time. you get more of it as it goes on, but right, but right. you know, the, you know, they're all mm-hmm. on the same side for the most part early on. I think, like now that you bring that up, Chris, it reminds me of one of the reasons why I fell in love with Part Two, aside from it being part of my formative years. You know, as I was getting older, just like how a lot of the episodes in Part Two, while you do have some episodes where like Guaymon goes on his own or Fujiko backstabs Lupin, a lot of it. Now looking back, a lot of the very good episodes of Part Two were just team episodes. So. And those were always the fun ones for me. It was very much like, mm. oh, oh, like the actual heist episodes that they would have. So <laughs> just want to point it out. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Because that I think is one reason why like this episode really just struck a chord with me, because it is just the gang doing a heist together. And that's the core of the episode. And that shit, when it's done well, it's my jam. Honestly, I love it. 
honestly, whenever it's done, period. I mean, I feel like there's not yeah. enough. There's not enough of it across this franchise. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. right? I was like, Which is I why I always appreciate like, whenever it happens. The gang just put in any kind of scenario, like all together, it doesn't even have to be planning a heist. Put them yeah. on the wall for like for God's sake. <laughs> 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 just, just let the mayhem ensue. I would love that. I don't know. <laughs> Um, give me, give me my fantasy of them being on Iron Chef America or something. I don't know, just the four of them ver- versus Bobby Flay or something. Okay, give give me that. Who's the sandwich in the group? Oh no, that, that, that's Iron Chef America. That's not Hell's Kitchen, Gil. I, I thought I thought we talked about this when I when we discussed reality shows when I visited two weeks ago. And I listened, but I'm dumb. <laughs> Relatable. Same. Yeah, I'm like, man, that hits. For for, for the record, no, I did not sit him down and explain American reality TV to this man. Not in one sitting, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Honestly, there's not really a whole lot to explain. It's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. It's not exactly a nuanced subject. But anyway. (laughs) It is is if you're me and you watch 90 Day Fiance on repeat. Now, before we uh, wrap up everything, Chris, if it makes you feel any better, one last note I forgot to say during my whole big spiel was, uh, you know, at the very end, when poor Zinigata is getting tumbled down the plane, there's that great little bit where, like, the gang just steals the bust with no problem at all. Like, it's like it's nothing. So, if anything, that just proves how formidable Zinigata really is. That without him... They can just fucking steal this shit with no problem whatsoever. (laughs) There is no one else. I mean, there'll be other characters who try and get kind of close, but there's no there's no one like Zenigata. Yeah, no, he's the best at what he does. Lupin is just the little black mark on an otherwise pristine record. (laughs) How do we know that that, record is pristine? Uh, Sorry, I'm the skeptic here. How do we know that record is pristine? I mean, he is a cop. That's going into a little, like, too much of the social aspect. He's like, a cartoon cop. Like, like, look, I am more than willing to get into that. But we're an hour into the episode, so we have to save that for when we get to the, the Zenigata episode. Yeah, okay, I know that we've discussed doing, like, character analysis episodes. I think that would be a very good uh, topic to talk about. That would be. like, his actual, like, work, like, record. Probably has written several speeding tickets. Oh, yeah. Probably. Probably taking yeah. care of a lot of drunken disorderlies, like myself. So, well, I, mean, I mean, we do see him working as a beat cop in the first episode of part two. Yes, exactly. I remember that. Oh. No. It's a miracle that he has not tried to kill Lupin. Because honestly, if somebody had little puppets and made fun of me, like in my work, I'd probably kill him. Hey, he tried in Mamo. Yeah, he tried in Mamo. That's true. <laughs> in that one episode of uh, of the Fujiko series, the woman called yeah, but yeah. the uh, the opera episode when like he the he first sees him and just shoots directly at, towards his chest. I'm done. I'm fucking done. I'm <laughs> <laughs> kill this motherfucker. Hold on, can I just say it's very fitting <laughs> considering that um, I did take Guillaume to see Tosca when he visited me, and we both agreed that the, the episode was literally um, not like plot for plot as 
the opera Tosca by Giacomo Puccini, but uh, Zenigata did fit the Scarfia role to a T. Oh, totally. So, <laughs> oh, God. I cannot wait till we get to talk about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Will I remember that? Will I remember that? Okay, hold on. That, that, that's an exaggeration. Can't be more than 25. All right? Yeah, <laughs> okay. That's, 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 that's fair. That's fair. So, I reckon on that note, we are, we're, we're mixed to positive on the panel this evening, I, I would say around about, which is actually good. I, it's nice when we all agree, but I think it's more interesting when we all have a little different perspective on it. Yeah. Absolutely. Got a little variety here this evening, so we will give our social media plugs. Guillaume, where can we find you on the ever-crumbling interwebs? Well, as it crumbles, it means that there are, you know, more pieces to be there to. So I'm almost everywhere. So you can find me as William Barbey, B-A-B-E-Y, on, uh, well, the artist formerly known as Twitter, um, Mastodon and Blue Sky Social because I got an invite. Hey, hey. You can find me on Instagram as Guillaume Barbet. You can find me on DeviantArt as Shin Red Deer. And I'm still trying to draw, even in this excruciating heat. And that's about it. Very nice. Very nice. And Natalie, where can we find you? Honestly, I'm more active on my Instagram, which is at Captain C A P T A I. N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. I'm sorry, I'm sick. I can't spell anymore. <laughs> I'm more active on there than I am anywhere else. Um, I mean, I do have my Twitter. I refuse to call it the St. Andrew's Cross because um, that's what it looks like <laughs> in San Francisco. I've fucking seen it and it looks like somebody's really ratchet ass St. Andrew's Cross. Anyways, um, you can find me on, on there at Capley Helsing. I'm still working on that domain name Um, Because I, coming back from Europe, I've actually am finishing up two really good video essay ideas, but I'm going to release the writings first. One on um, the town, the small Swiss town of Meiningen and the Reschenbach Falls, which I got to see with Guillaume over there. Uh, My first real hike ever. And of course, on Luca and Giacomo Puccini, um, because I also got to see that. So, and also, of course, the Opera Turndo. So be on the lookout for that. I'll promote them in my own way. But yeah, that's that's all my socials because um, um, I have a life. <laughs> I, I like to think so. I mean, Mood. I'm going. To, I'm I'm traveling again. I'm going to Montreal in like five weeks. So I got food and like stuff recommendations for that because I went there a few years ago. So yeah, yeah, give me. I've only been to Quebec, so yeah. I've never been to Montreal. So give me that shit. I just know yeah. I want some poutine. Honestly, <laughs> Montreal. One of my favorite cities, like, ever. I loved it, so. On that note, Emma, um, aside from giving me recommendations for Montreal, where can I find you if I can't find you in Montreal? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, you can find me on Twitter at E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. I almost forgot it. And also, uh, if you have an invite, I am on Blue Sky at EmmaWolf227 at B-S-K-Y dot social. I, I have it pulled up because I couldn't remember who I was. And then Instagram at E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227. Those are pretty much the main ones that I use. Don't try to find me anywhere else. Thanks. Bye. Uh- <laughs> oh, damn it. So I can't find you in the morgue listings? I'm just No, kidding. no, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Find me in the obituary list. <laughs> in your local newspaper. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? <laughs> 
boy, how the hell do I top that? Um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Newgrounds at Amazing Chris Godby. That's a G O D B E Y. My website is theamazingchrisgodby.com. My personal Twitter is at Dr. Furball, D R F U R B A L L. My art Twitter is Amazing Chris G. My web comics can be found at weirdinacan.com and drawocower.com. And I'm also an occasional and, as of today, recent contributor to luponcentral.com. How about you, Drew? Where can we find you and the podcast? Well, I mean, I guess you don't only have to find the podcast if you're listening to it, but hypothetically. Drew. <laughs> hypothetically speaking. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I'm not calling it. I ain't doing it, Elon, you fuck. Uh, <laughs> I'll, my mortal well enemy. Said. So someone, uh, someone on my Facebook like makes the two. He's like, "What do you call a tweet now? Twix." <laughs> call it a tweet. God damn it! That, that's good. A Twix. <laughs> there is something funny about referring to the social media platform owned by a bigot by its dead name. Right. <laughs> it's like some dark irony there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I think that's what my best friend said or her husband. And I was just like, wait, a minute. I had to like literally think about that. Then remember that Elon Musk has a trans child. So, ooh. And he's also a transphobe. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, perfect. Yeah. Goddamn piece of shit billionaire. I'll fucking. Anyway, uh, Miyazaki I would. Really I think Miyazaki and I share a, uh, a disdain towards people of his, uh, social status uh anyway you can find me on his platform comrade. which which <laughs> comrade miyazaki uh, comrade. you will find me on his ever crumbling platform because i'll be i'll be there until it dies at drew hunter 15 that's d-r-e-w-h-u-n-t-e-r-1-5 you can also find me also at blue sky social again at drew hunter 15.bsky.social and for the podcast you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads, and Mastodon at LupinPod. And we're also on Tumblr. Just search Cyburns and Cigarettes. You can listen to our show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, feel free to scroll up or scroll down. Give us a five-star review or any type of review is more than appreciated. Everyone that does so will be appreciated by hand. That, that sounds... Wow. That's a good um, job. On that note, we will see you again on the next episode where we are also discussing another episode with the whole gang together doing a heist in Operation Jewelry Snatch. So, until then, have a good night, Lupontic folks. Toodles. Bye. Big headliner. <laughs> Wait, what? Beautiful last word. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. My shit